Okay, the podcast set up downtown. We got motion. What's the idea? People, the conversations open. The Andrews group, the firm. Yeah, we here now. Let's talk about great ideas. Have a sit down. Welcome to the podcast. The idea people. Well, welcome to another episode of the Idea People here at the Lee Andrews Group, where we dive deep into the ideas that inspire action and change. I'm your host, Rick Garcia. We have a very special guest uh, on our podcast today. And I don't just mean our guest, our CEO, Stephanie Graves, is going to join us on this podcast. So we really must have a big guest. Uh, that's right, Rick. He's very important. But also when it comes to talking about real impact, I wouldn't miss this guest because our guest is someone who knows a thing about impact, and that's Congressmember Robert Garcia. And I, I understand you and Robert have an incredible history that spans over 15 years, and I hear you're practically political siblings at this point. Well, absolutely. You know, political siblings or civic soulmates or, I don't know, Robert and I could even be <laughs> related because my family last name is Garcia. Although, Rick, your last name is Garcia. So it's like a bunch of Garcias. It's a convention How of Garcia. How do we Garcias. pull that off? Don't you have to get like a special certificate in order to be in the same meeting room together for that? Three Garcias. In fact, Garcia is the number one uh, Spanish surname in the, is in, in the U.S. Yep. I thought it was common. Um, I know we're from different regions. Do you care to expand on where your family my family is from Chihuahua, Chihuahua. Okay, we're from Sonora, Mexico, and you're from, from Peru. Peru, Lima, yeah. Peru. Yep. So <laughs> Garcias were all over the Spaniards. The Spaniards. <laughs> you're right, the Spaniards. Um, well, we were talking about making a difference. So today's uh, episode is all about the importance of voting. We could talk to the, the congressman about all kinds of stuff, but because there's so much to talk about, but this is our way of having you back for future episodes. Uh, and so we're going to talk about voting today. But first, we want to talk about your background. You were elected to represent the 42nd Congressional District, which includes Long Beach and South, uh, Southeast Los Angeles. That was on uh, in November of 2022. You served two terms as mayor of Long Beach, where uh, you piloted programs like tuition-free college. You're the first openly LGBTQ foreign-born member of Congress. You hold a master's degree from USC and a doctorate in education from Cal State Long Beach. And as we just uh, mentioned, you uh, immigrated from uh, Peru to the U.S. as a child and became uh, a U.S. citizen. So now we want to give you a pro proper welcome, Congressmember Robert Garcia. Thank you. Happy to be here. Always happy to do anything that Stephanie asked me to do. <laughs> <laughs> so let's begin with how it all began for you, if you don't mind, your political career. and What made you decide to run for office? And what's the difference between holding a local office compared to federal office? Well, I mean, I'll start with that part first. I mean, I think I think that, you know, day one in Congress, um, it was, you, you realize it's very different than than being a, a mayor of your city. And I think being mayor of your city is first like the best job. It's your community. You, you've grown up there. I mean, I went to college there. All my friends, you know, your, your whole life is kind of revolves around obviously your community. Uh, and so that that job was amazing. And um being mayor for eight years was just a great experience. And so when our congressman retired at the really right at the exact time that I had to make a decision about running for a third term as mayor or not, um, it was a it was a pretty easy, easy decision to run for Congress. I thought that it would be a, a consequential moment to kind of um, be involved in what I, where I think all the big kind of decisions are being made as it relates to issues like democracy and the future of our country and things are so divided and just kind of the um, nervousness that we all feel about the strength of our institutions and, and how strong we are as a country. And so 
that that I knew what I was getting myself into, but it is very different. I think I'm used to being very bipartisan at the city. You're used to kind of bringing people together. You're used. I'm used to uh, kind of leading kind of what the the um, what the goal of the day is. And in Congress, it's it's very much not like that. I mean, you, you learn very very fast that you have to actually be aggressive and and in order. I, I view it this way. I view, I, from my perspective, half the Congress wants to, in my opinion, um, damage the country and damage the people in the country. And so if you are a gay immigrant, half the Congress doesn't think you should have basically the same rights as everybody else. And so that, you know, it's hard to work sometimes with folks that don't even believe you're an equal to everyone else or that you, I mean, I have members of Congress that literally believe that my citizenship should be taken away. And that's their position because I'm foreign born or that as a gay person, I should have zero rights, you know? So it's a very different environment. So that's, I think the big difference is the people I'm working with. Um, but I mean, you're still working at the end of the day to improve people's lives. I think that's where the, it's the same. As far as why I had to do this early on, and I'm glad we're talking about voting today, as someone that wasn't born in this country, I'm very grateful to the country. My family always taught me to like love America. I'm deeply patriotic. I'm deeply uh, you know, pro-America. Um, but I, I realized that you know I wasn't a citizen growing up. I didn't begin, get my citizenship until I was in my early 20s. And so you know you realize then that that when you when I became a citizen, you have to give back. And my family said you got to give back. And so. I always was involved, got involved in the city, was always involved in my neighborhood groups, always involved when I was in college. So it was very, it felt very natural to get into public service. Uh, being an educator, I, I did, you know, six, seven years in, in the classroom teaching. And so it was an easy transition to then um, get into run for office and then get elected mayor. I'll never forget, too, one time you told me a long time ago, and it wasn't, I, it wasn't a layup, it wasn't a softball, it wasn't anything I asked you, but you said one of... The happiest times in your life was becoming an American citizen. Absolutely, and that's like just that's amazing. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, I and I remember it so clearly, and I think a lot of people don't realize how hard it is. So I always say, you know, immigrants are some of the most patriotic people in the country because you actually have to like earn and fight for your citizenship. Like you're not born into it, and so you know, we got cheated so often and had to start over and um, you know had to excel, make no mistakes. You know, we were just a very, um, I think, all-American family, but we just weren't official Americans yet. And so it was, I, I, I'm very grateful. My whole family is grateful to, to becoming citizens. Well, we're, and we're grateful, too, because, I mean, now you can talk about voting and have a, a, a sense of whether it be urgency or importance. Uh, we're in an election year, and we're hoping that you can help uh, educate us uh, and our listeners on voting. What do you say to voters who say they don't like any of the candidates so they're not going to vote? I mean, that's a huge mistake. I think first people need to, need to realize that they have um, an enormous response. Voting is an enormous responsibility that people should take seriously. And it's it's a privilege. There's so many folks that can't vote, maybe because of their age, maybe they're, you know, maybe they're 16 or 17 and haven't been able to vote yet, or they're non-citizens, but they've been active since they were, you know, their whole lives. And voting, not voting, is a political decision. You're choosing to allow others to have more power in who actually represents uh, our country or our community. And so the act of not voting is the act of diminishing your own voice and power and empowering others. And oftentimes, 
the folks that you are, the people we know generally that, you know, some of the best voters in this country are the very wealthy, are those that, that are, I mean, if you are a like billionaire or millionaire in this country, you are voting in every election. And so if you're a working class person or, you know, middle class family, and you're choosing not to vote, you are empowering others to make decisions for you. And I think that's a huge and unwise decision. Uh, so well said. What, what do you think are some of the most effective ways to motivate people? Well, I mean, I think first, um, you know, this part, and, and, and it's, this part's hard, hard, but I think that we have to strengthen and ensure at the basic level, as an educator myself, I think it's sad to me when courses like civics or American history get diminished in our school systems. And so I think reminding ourselves that a, a solid education about what government actually means and does is really important in our schools. I think it starts there. And families and parents have a responsibility, I believe, to ensure that their kids know how important the voting process is. I mean, I was always told, and we were a low-income family that didn't vote because we didn't, we couldn't. But the second we got citizenship, we were told, I mean, you, you have to vote. I mean, this is part of like what you do and represent yourself. And so I think families, school, there's a, there's a piece there. I think the other the other factor is um, knowing what the stakes are. I mean, the stakes are high in these elections, and we have to realize that these are life and death decisions, honestly, for some people. I mean, when you're talking about a woman having the right to her own body over reproductive health, that's a life and death decision for some people. Voting matters in those cases. Voting matters for immigrants. And then lastly, I think it's candidates. We have to encourage candidates that we believe in to run for office because when we don't believe in the candidates, it's it's less exciting to vote. Um, but we, we should be voting regardless of whether uh, you know, we're super in love with a candidate. You don't, you, you don't need to be in love with a candidate. You have to understand that the stakes are really high. I might add, too, that um, we're talking about voting and how important it is. And I don't want to date this pro- podcast, but it is, Super Tuesday is coming up, and that's March 5th. Very important, and that's why we're talking about this now. But I think voting, this is this. everyone should listen to this again, and young people, um, about why it's so important to vote. So thanks, Robert. Congressman uh, Robert Garcia is our guest, uh, as well as uh, Lee Andrews Group uh, CEO Stephanie Graves. And uh, we're double-teaming the congressman. And you mentioned family, uh, kids, and I'm glad we brought that up. I'm going to take you back in time a little bit on a little journey of when I very first voted. And I remember what motivated me to vote was people would say to me at that time, and you want to talk about dating yourself, if you vote for Ronald Reagan and Alexander Haig, there will be a draft and you will go to war. And I'm an 18-year-old young man thinking, oh my gosh, that's um, that can't happen. Let me fast forward to registering or helping my 19-year-olds register for their first vote. And all of the information they're receiving is on TikTok. TikTok, it's on their social media. And they're being told how bad everybody is, right? How do we motivate these young people? I mean, their their influences aren't always coming from us, the parents and the adults in the room. Yeah, I mean, that's a complicated question because I've, I've actually thought about this a lot. I, I, I do a lot of get-out-the-vote efforts for, with young people or with younger people. Um, I think there's a couple things. I think one is that we have to we have to recognize that young young people get their information differently than than most other folks, and than we have, and so they're not picking up the New York Times every day and or the LA Times, or they're not watching you know um, cable news, or they are getting their information from social media. 
And um, and social media can be quite disruptive in oftentimes uh, the facts. So that's, I think, something we've got to recognize, that there is disinformation out there. The other thing is that in spite of disinformation, it's stunning that if we really wanted to make the country a better place, I would take what 18 to 30-year-olds 30 want for this country and we'd be better off tomorrow. I mean, they are, they are so smart. They accept everyone. They uh, believe strongly in the power of workers. They believe in, you know, in, in income equality. They want to raise wages to support unions. They, they support gay people. They believe in immigrant rights. And so in spite of all this disinformation that young people get, their politics and values are better than any other age group, I think, that we have in, in the country, which is wild, right? In spite of all of their challenges, you know, how do they get access to buying a home, uh, challenges around access to, to, um, to having the same opportunities that maybe uh, others, other generations did. So young people, I think, are going to be in, in really good shape. And I think that it's our job to remind them to try to get access to to accurate information. It's our job to put it out there. And the last thing I'll say is one thing I'm encouraging within my own party and in Congress is I've told them that we need to get out more into pop culture spaces. And I, I try mm -hmm. to do that. Mm -hmm. So I've been very active in like trying to appear in like pop. I, you know, I, if I don't success send a press release to, you know, the LA times, but I try to get in like people in, in entertainment weekly and, Hollywood Reporter, other places that are, you know, Bravo, other places that young people are engaged in because we have to get our message out. Oh, one, one last thing. You know, I, w I did this like floor speech where I quoted like one of the real housewives from, from, from Bravo. <laughs> and my, a lot of my staff had no idea what I was doing. And like people were like, what, what the hell are you talking about? I got more reaction from people that are not engaged in politics from that clip that kind of went viral because so many people saw it that weren't engaged in politics. And that's the only way we're going to reach some people. And so we have to be more active in pop culture spaces. Well, and recently you were mentioned on Jimmy Kimmel, which was yeah, amazing. Was, and The Daily Show, actually, just like like a couple of weeks ago, which was which was great. I, I was honored. I was the first clip that, that – I saw that with John Stewart. That John Stewart showed yeah. on his first episode yeah. back. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Amazing. <laughs> You've made it. Well, it, it not to – I. I Dare I say, it's this a little bit of this Taylor Swift effect that we saw in the NFL. Absolutely. The highest rated Super Bowl in the history of the game. Uh, people who didn't give a darn about it. And so you're trying to go to areas where people just maybe aren't as engaged. Yeah, and since we're talking about voting, I think that's that is, has to be the approach. I think if we're going to encourage more people to vote, we can't just continue to do the same thing. We have to go out. We, we have to be present in, in pop culture, in mass media, on TikTok, this whole idea that oh we're gonna we're not gonna go on TikTok is ridiculous. Everyone is on TikTok. I'm in TikTok, I'm on TikTok actively. Young people are on TikTok. If we're not there, we're giving. I mean that space up. Well, the president's on it now. He now he's on it. And, a little why, flack and for, wisely. Yeah. I mean, I, he did. I, I absolutely applauded the decision. Yeah. What are we gonna do? I mean, we're not. We're gonna. We, and we shouldn't be banning folks from these platforms if they're active. We, we've got to make them better, but um, we, we've got to be active on them. Tell us the difference in uh, impact from local to national elections, in your opinion. They're, they're both important. I actually don't think that local elections are less important than national. I mean, they're so important. Less people turn out for local elections. Uh, but it, the, most, the things that most people care about on their day-to-day, -day, 
you know, life are the local things. They want, you know, they're waking, they're waking up is, is someone going to be on the, when, when I call 911, is someone coming to help me? Is my trash going to be picked up? Do I have power when I turn the light switch on? Uh, is my water clean when I turn on my faucet? Those are all things that are going to, that are going to be impacted by who you vote for, for mayor or city council, not who you're voting for, for Congress or not even who you vote for for president. I mean, those basic functions that people depend on are all locally driven. Schools, you're concerned about how your, 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 the classes, classroom is doing. Maybe you, know, maybe you have a young kid in, in, in a public school. Your school board election matters. Your city council election matters. And so I tell people all the time, like your daily life oftentimes is impacted by who you elect locally. In a big place like Los Angeles, it matters who you elect as mayor and the city council. And, um, and, and, as, and as far as like the bigger issues, the, the federal ones, those get a lot of the attention. And those dramatically matter too, of course. I mean, who you elect as president really matters, as we've seen in the past. And so I think both are important. So uh, on each side of the aisle, you almost hear the same message, but different reasoning. On one side, you hear rigged elections. On, on another side, you hear voter suppression. What is your, your feeling about access to ballots and, and are our elections as safe as they can be? And is everybody being represented by being able to vote? Well, first, um, generally, we have a really strong election system across the country. Now, some states, it very, elections are run by states, and then they're run by local counties or registrar of voters. That's why our election system is, is an international model. It's not run by one national organization. It's run by thousands of small um, organizations across the country that each independently verify votes, and then they're tabulated together. And so in L.A., it's L.A. Registrar County of Voters, and you know, every, every other county has a different system. And so it's a decentralized voting system that actually ensures a, a good pro, a, a good um, and strong tally. That's not to say, though, that – and this is what really like bugs the, the hell out of me. There is not a system of government or an institution that is not going to either A, make a mistake or B, perfect. So – is it possible that on occasion we're going to, you know, a registrar is going to send the wrong ballot to the wrong address? Of course. Is it possible that someone that passed away may receive a ballot in their home and it wasn't tracked yet? Of course. And so when these small mistakes are amplified, like there's some sort of like massive voter or a regist registration, um, you know, rigged election is just completely ridiculous. There is not an institution on the planet that does not make mistakes. So number one, our elections are, are, are fair. And this is nationally. Now, some states are more accessible than others. And I would argue that California has one of the best election systems anywhere in the country. And other state, if other states did what California did, we'd have more people voting. In California, we have vote by mail for, what, three or four weeks before the election. We have automatic registration, essentially, when you turn 18. Uh, we have, we send you our ballot. There's no, you don't have to pay for a stamp. I mean, the access to actually getting the ballot here is really strong. That's not the case in other places across the country. So you go to other places, they don't, they don't even have real vote by mail process. They have, you have to request a ballot or, or, they, or wow. they, you know, in some cases you, 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 you only can vote the day of, and maybe there's early voting for a week at ballot box. I mean, there's, 
other locations don't don't you know automatically pay for your your ballot. So it is very difficult in some places, and they and they try to make it more difficult. In certainly in in, in states that want less people voting, not more. And the more people vote, the more progressive the country will be. And we, we go back to what I said earlier: the folks that always vote are the ones with the most wealth. And so if you want working class people to vote, they're working. They have families. They have real, oftentimes, life and death decisions that they're making, you know, putting food on the table. And so you've got to make it easier. Congressman Robert Garcia is our guest. Uh, Lee Andrews Group, um, Stephanie Graves, also uh, on the podcast with us, the idea people at Lee Andrews Group. This leads us perfectly into, I don't know if you saw the Curb Your Enthusiasm episode or heard about it where they had a scene in their recent episode where the lead character, the creator and star of the show, Larry David, is arrested for passing out water to a friend in line at a voting precinct in, in Georgia, in the state of Georgia. We know the show's a comedy. David said he wanted to point out, though, the ridiculousness of uh, some of the laws that are being uh, that are out there on the books. What are some of the laws, uh, such as the one in Georgia, that concern you the most, some of the restrictions? But also, why is... Passing out water. Why, what are they afraid of? Well, I mean, that's just, what they're afraid of is people voting and more people voting. And in the case of Georgia, we have a very large uh, black population that has been oftentimes um, diminished by laws trying to discourage voting. Uh, you have people that now Georgia is a swing state and is leaning more progressive because people are, are, are fed up and they're coming out in big numbers. But when people come out in big numbers, remember, Georgia, they've dim, they've diminish the amount of polling places, the, now the lines are longer, and so they're trying to discourage people when they see a line of waiting in line. They want less people to vote. Why anyone would want less people to vote, and their argument is, oh, well, they're, they're not as educated on the issues. I mean, that's ridiculous. A, a vote is a vote, and so I think that um, issues around, for example, limiting access to polling locations, I think those laws concern me. Uh, there have been efforts to try to limit vote by mail, that's very concerning. What is someone with a with a with a real disability supposed to do? What about someone that works all day on election day, that doesn't have time to go vote? They should have the option to vote by mail. It should be easy. California is honestly a, a national model. If every state did what California did, we'd be better off on on the voting system. So as of late 2023, uh, going as we now have entered 2024, COVID 19 still present. It's uh, it hasn't gone away. It's still impacting public health. Um, you, at the time, as mayor of Long Beach, were recognized by your response to the virus and the and vaccine implementation. No one felt the pain of the pandemic more than you did. You lost your mom and your stepdad to the virus. How were you changed by that experience as a leader? And also, what are your thoughts on your fellow Congress members who continue to spread conspiracy theories on, on the vaccine, which medical science, as we know, has debunked, and we know that it has saved lives? Yeah, I mean... Uh, I mean, I think I, I try to remind people because people forget um, that the pandemic took uh, 1. 1. 1.3 million American lives. We were having a 9-11 like death casualty event a day. The amount of people that we lost on 9-11, we were losing on a daily basis for a period of time during the pandemic. That is an enormous loss of life for the country. We, I mean, millions more, of course, across the world. In my city alone, we lost 1,300 people. And so no, there's no event in the history of the city of Long Beach, for example, that we've lost more people over a course of a year. 
not gun violence, not the earthquake in the 1930s. Uh, and that can be repeated over and over again. And so you have this huge uh, loss of life event. And then impacting the economy, where the economy essentially almost crashed, businesses. I mean, it was a huge traumatic event. And this, you know, to, to, to take all that and then to be in Congress and hear folks basically encouraging people not to get vaccinated is crazy. We are seeing right now an increase in measles, in other um, diseases, uh, particularly in rural areas and conservative communities, because folks are now encouraging people to not get vaccinated. I mean, they don't, they don't even want their kids vaccinated, which is literally crazy. It's a, it's a lunacy. And so you, when you have folks like Marjorie Taylor Greene and others basically say, don't get the vaccine or I'm not vaccinated, one doesn't even make you want to be around her because she's like a walking, you know, Petri dish of viruses. Um, but but you, you know, she's causing actual harm. She's, ca- she's causing families to not vaccinate their kids a- against the advice of the entire medical science community. So that's what's really insane to me about, about these efforts right now. And why we have to vote people like her out. Yeah, we, we had lost some folks, uh, both family and friends, uh, to the virus who, same thing, they just didn't believe it. They were they were reading the wrong articles on it. But it did change, um, I guess, to some degree, voting for some people who normally love to go into the polls, cast their ballot. They like the feeling of, you know, pulling the curtain and pulling it back. And now everybody was voting from home for elections, mm-hmm. um, and I think people enjoy that. Absolutely, you know, we are people love. I mean, I voted, but I've I have I have voted already. You know, I'm not sure if you guys have. Yeah, or not. I already yeah. have too. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? I mean, it's <laughs> I still just, have my sticker. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's so nice to just get that ballot and uh, and send it in, and um, you know, I think one of the you know the, what always takes me the longest on my ballot is like the judges. You know, I'm like, because I want to make sure I'm getting that right. You know, so I do my research and, and the whole thing. But I, it's, I encourage people just when they, when they get that ballot. You know, as long as you feel like you know what you need to know. I mean, what are you going to learn in those three weeks before the election? How much everyone you know hates all the other candidates and all the negative stuff. I mean, do your research. You know what you need to know. Put your ballot in the mail, and, and you're done. I like dropping it off at the ballot box too. At the the oh yeah, I do the same. It's a good thing. feeling, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I put I put mine in our ballot drop off centers. Mm-hmm. We have one at City Hall, so I just go down to City Hall and I put it in the ballot thing, and I'm done. So our we want to take our kid. I want to take our kids to the poll just to go to an actual ele- that's, election that's location, great. experience it. My son's like, no way, I'm going to fill this out. Yeah, <laughs> so I, you know what I, I do? may lose that battle. What I do on election day, ever since vote by mail became popular, what I try to do is. Um, I will spend the day on election day going to like thank poll workers. So I will like take them donuts or like just thank them for their work. Oh, because, what a great idea. Yeah. just And it's still like a civic, you know, opportunity. So like I think like if families are doing vote by mail, you can still go do things on election day to show, you know, thanks and appreciation for the process or go to your local like city clerk's office and just drop off some donuts or some gift cards or, you know, because they're working really hard to still count the vote. All right. On a lighter side, um, you're a self-admitted comic nerd. What's your favorite comic book? Uh, my favorite comic book heroes is a uh, Superman. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I read. You know, I read a lot. I mean, I've read most most of them. Yeah. And and does that extend to the movies? Are you a big oh, yeah. fan of the I'm Marvel a, universe? I'm a huge fan of the Marvel universe. Favorite movie? Universe. My favorite movie. I mean, my favorite of all time superhero movie would have to be like the the. The Superman film, the Christopher the Christopher Reeve original okay. Superman, movies. one of the originals. But, yeah, but I, I like everything. I mean, I, I watch you know Spider Man, Captain America, Superman, Batman. Admit it though, you're getting tired of them now, aren't you? 
No, I'm no. not. There's one opening every no, week. No, I know. People get tired of him. I mean, yeah. I'm I think a, when you're in it, you're in it. You yeah, don't get I'm tired in. of him. Yeah, I'm, I'm in it. I'm actually, I'm actually, I actually started and founded the Popular Arts Caucus in Congress. There's about 25 what of us. What a great idea. So it's a caucus focused on the popular arts. And so yeah. the popular arts are comics, graphic novels, video games, uh, mass media, anything to do with the, in that. Like, it's a huge segment of the economy. And in fact, the popular arts are the single largest driving box office um, power in, in, in Hollywood, yet there has been no focus on the popular arts because it's somehow like, you know, it's a young person or it's a kid uh, genre. No, it is the leading production of jobs and big blockbusters are the popular arts. I mean, you know, people don't realize how much money video games make in this country. Oh, yeah. So just that's something I'm leading in the Congress is to try to, again, put more emphasis on the popular arts. Look at you, like Good. making Congress younger. <laughs> Congressman Robert Garcia, our guest, uh, and uh, Stephanie Graves, the Lee Andrews Group uh, CEO, is part of the Idea People podcast. Robert, we don't feel like we know you enough. Oh, yes. Right? So, we, and, and yeah. I wanted to say, you know, I love you so much and thank you for doing this. But since we've already, you know, talked about Jimmy Kimmel and Jon Stewart, and my other favorite is Stephen Colbert. And so he does this um, on the Colbert Report, you know, ha a questionnaire. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, you know, as we close the curtain on today's show, I just uh, want to, you know, there are things our listeners need to know more about you. Because, you know, I know enough, we're dear friends, but how well do we know the depths of you? So similarly to the Colbert Report, um, my team up there in the Leanders Group Lab um, have come up with 12 questions. Okay. And they're scientifically calculated to plumb the depths of anyone okay. to reveal their soul to the world. Okay. 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 So are you prepared to be known by the world after the you answer the Leander's Group questionnaire? <laughs> yes, of course. Okay, here we go. First thing that comes to your mind. Okay. First thing that comes to my mind? Yes. Okay. What is the best sandwich? Uh, turkey avocado. Mm. Okay. Mm, okay, classic, healthy. Mm -hmm. What's the one thing you own but you should really throw out? This one's a tough one because one thing I own that I should really throw out. Yes. Um, some, I mean, definitely some shirts that I have <laughs> that I really love. <laughs> They're got, got, they gotta go. They gotta go. Okay. Yeah. What's the scariest animal in the world? Uh, a, a, a rat. A rat. Really? Yeah. Okay. A rodent I, rat. Yeah, okay. I'm not into it. I still go back to sharks. I don't know. I I go with that one. Sharks. No. Yeah. yeah. For, yeah. I'm just not a fan. Apples or oranges? Oranges. Good answer. No, wrong. No, good answer. I'm with you on that, Congressman. Have you ever asked for someone's autograph? Yes. Who? I mean, lots of, I mean, comic book artists. Um, early on, I would go to conventions and ask for their autographs. Anyone that stands out that you cherish Like, like Jim Lee is someone that, okay. you know, he's now the president of DC Comics. It was an artist that I loved growing up and... Ask for I definitely I've also asked like I was like a political junkie so I've you know if I used to run into political people but but mostly comic book artists. Interesting. Okay, we talked about your favorite um, comic movie, but what is your favorite action movie? My favorite action movie. Well, I don't know if you want to consider this an action movie. It's in the action adventure like genre. Mm -hmm. It would definitely be like the Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Window or aisle? Oh, 
a hundred percent aisle. I mean, don't even put me on a window. I mean, not even I'm with you. I, oh, I mean, you know what? Because you do have to go to the bathroom. Oh yeah, all the time. exactly. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hundred yeah. okay. percent. I do know that. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I, I, I I literally would almost rather be in a middle seat. We are really getting to know you now. <laughs> yeah. Most used app on your phone. Uh, I this is depressing to say, and I'm so, I'm sad to say it, but definitely um, X, the former Twitter app. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. I mean, and by like leaps and bounds, most used app. Okay. Yeah, I, I use it a lot to curate information. Cats or dogs? <sighs> That's a hard one. I have to no, say cat. It's an easy one. No, it's harder for me. I have to, I'm, it's hard for me because I've had both. And so right now I have a cat, but I used to have a dog. I thought I was a dog person, but now I'm kind of like both. I, I, I'm going to have to say at this point, um, I'm going to have to say cat right now. Mm, okay. But it, but if you would have asked me 10 years ago, I would have said I dog. Know. It's okay. Yeah. What number am I thinking? Seven? Wrong. <laughs> okay. You only get one song. That's the number that I was thinking. <laughs> you only get one song to listen to the rest of your life. Well, one song to listen to the rest of my life? What it, not like it's in repetition, like you're going crazy, but okay. one song hmm. the rest of your life. What is it? Um, wow. What genre are we? Classic? I mean, no, are we disco? No, are it's, we? It's, uh, it's definitely. It's definitely like um, like Broadway. Oh yes, it's yeah. Broadway. I mean, it's probably I'm probably gonna have to be. And these are so obscure, but I really. I mean, it's gonna be like a, like a close tie um, between people will say we're in love from Oklahoma, like early like Rodgers and Hammerstein, or it'll have to be like. Um, Till There Was You from Meredith Wilson's The Music Man. Oh, my gosh, Robert. Okay. Yeah. And then last question. Yeah. Describe the rest of your life in five words. Five words? It doesn't have to be a sentence. It could just okay. be words. Okay. Um. Happy. Purposeful. Family. Fun. Democracy. Congrats. You are known. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Congressmember Robert Happy Garcia. To. I really appreciate it. This was so great. Thank and you. just um, getting out there, you know, the knowledge of voting and what it's all about and kind of the history, too, and coming actually from someone who actually became a United States citizen. So really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Happy to do yeah, it. Yeah, thanks for sharing. And we look, we many more topics ahead to discuss with you. Hopefully you'll be a recurring guest with us if that's if that's okay with everybody. Sure. Congressman Robert Garcia, our guest on the Idea People at Leander's Group. And for more information about Leander's Group, you can check us out at leandersgroup.com. Goodbye everybody. Bye bye. Thank you. Okay, the podcast set up downtown. We got motion. What's the idea? People, the conversations open. The Andrews group, the firm. Yeah, we here now. Let's talk about great ideas. Have a sit down. Welcome to the podcast. The idea people.